Well, welcome back. And, uh... Well, this past couple of days have been interesting. We have the head coaching positions all been filled in the NFL. That's all done. Um, Kyler Murray made some interesting moves in his social media that I'm going to talk about. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be seeing Tennessee anytime soon. And I'll explain why that's a good thing and why that makes sense for the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you know, the, and still we got the NBA trade deadline on Thursday and it's officially Super Bowl week. Oh, and also the Brooklyn Nets are in trouble. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. A lot more discussion about news and rumors than I usually do on this podcast, but yeah, this is, uh, something new for me. So let's try it out this week and here we go. I want to start with this podcast talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Brooklyn Nets have been in a little bit of hot water as of late. They are losers of the last eight. They have lost eight in a row. And now sit a good five games back in the Eastern Conference from the first seed. Currently held by the Miami Heat. And if the playoffs were to start today, which they don't, they would be in the playing tournament taking on a Celtics team. And the way the Celtics have been playing the past couple of weeks, compared to the Nets lately, I wouldn't be so sure I would be able to confidently take the Nets over the Celtics. I wouldn't. I honestly don't think I would. But obviously there's been some big factors when it comes to the Nets' struggles. Obviously, right now, Kevin Durant is injured. He's going to be out for a little bit of a while with that injury he sustained earlier in the past, earlier this month. And obviously, James Harden has been fantastic for them. But And also, you got Kyrie, who's only playing part-time for reasons that We've discussed over and over and over and over again. I really don't want to get into that right now. But other than that, there are some big issues that that's going to deal with now. Obviously, right now, there's a James Harden rumors going around talks between Philly and Brooklyn about a potential James Harden-Ben Simmons deal. I don't think they'll do it because, personally, I don't see the Nets trading James Harden because I feel like I feel like Brooklyn solely believes that if they get Kevin Durant back healthy, that they could still make a run. But honestly, I just don't see how with this roster they really realistically do. Looking at the Eastern Conference right now, seeing how who's who they have in the first first round, let's say they win that first play-in game, right? If they end up in the play-in. They probably... The first round matchup, regardless of where they play, because I don't think they're going to catch up to the first few seeds. I think the farthest they can go right now, the way everybody's playing the East right now, with the healthy squad, the Nets probably can see themselves at the five seed. So they got a potential matchups with the Heat, the Bucks, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Sixers. That's going to be a tough matchup regardless, and I don't see the Nets winning either one of those. So 
there's that issue. And then there's a second issue that that needs to be brought up is that this roster is old. It really is, and I really don't see any potential trade assets that the Nets have to actually make a move and improve this roster. I really don't. They could probably possibly try to move Joe Harris. I've heard talks about him getting moved. I don't see that getting happening anytime soon. Also, there's also the James Harden thing, like I mentioned earlier, and... I don't know. I don't know. It's just not looking promising. There's a bunch. This roster is just old. There's guys constantly falling in and out of the rotation in Brooklyn. Obviously, you guys like Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he's even still on the team. Obviously, there's Lamarcus Aldridge, James Johnson, Banbury, Paul Millsap. I think another guy that could just get bought out or moved. But I don't know. The Brooklyn Nets definitely have a lot. Of a lot of issues to deal with right now. And. Hmm. And like I said, the trade deadline's on Thursday. So we'll get, we'll see if the Nets potentially try to make any sort of move. I know they've been connected to a few different players these past couple of days, but it's going to be really interesting to see if they actually bring up that draft capital to actually get anything done at the deadline. You already see some of these teams making moves, but y'all get into those moves here in a little bit, and they're missing out on a lot of play. Maybe they'll maybe they'll go into the buyout market again because I'm sure there's gonna be some decent veterans out there that get bought out, potentially like um, Thad Young, maybe an Eric Bledsoe who just got moved. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, maybe a Tristan Thompson. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see about that, but. As stands right now for the Brooklyn Nets, I just don't see this team that good. The team's not that good. Um, and the way this team's played since KD's injury, you really could tell how much this team really was reliant on KD for this team's success. You have to hate to admit it, but that's really how it is in Brooklyn. With a part-time Kyrie and James Harden kind of looking like he's already one foot out the door, KD might be the only reason this team's actually still afloat. And without KD, this team's flaws have come out to fruition. Well, not fruition, but come out to the open. And it's not been pretty. They went from being a top three, four seed in the East to currently sitting in a playing spot. Things are going to get interesting, Brooke, in the next couple of days. And if they don't, can't manage to make a move at the trade deadline, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive they are in the buyout market. All right, so on to football for a little bit. So the last few head coaching positions have been filled. Now, I'm not going to go really deep into them right now because – I'll be honest, other than a couple names on this list, I'm going to say, I don't really know much about some of them. Okay, let's start with the ones I really don't know much about. Mike McDaniel, who was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, he's going to be hired as the 
head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Now, obviously, he worked under Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, not Mike, Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, and, well, Kyle Shanahan's pretty smart dude when it comes to football, and I can't imagine anywhere for a scene where Mike McDaniel didn't pick up a thing or two from working under Kyle. And it's just going to be interesting to see how he handles and develops, tries to develop Tua Tagovailoa and tries to get him up to that next step, if that's even possible. Because what we've seen from Tua so far with the defensive-minded Brian Flores has not been the greatest result in the world. So maybe Mike McDaniel... This is the guy they believe they can come in and develop Tua and to help to and also help Tua take that next step as an NFL quarterback. But we'll just have to wait and see about that. The next one needs to try the court going ahead for coaching cut coaching guys that I kinda know a little bit. Let's start with uh Dennis Allen, the new Saints head coach. And um he was basically promoted from defensive coordinator to head coach after Sean Payton stepped down. Obviously, he's been the defensive coordinator there for a couple of years now, and he does have experience as a head coach, though not that great. I did some research on him, and he did head, he was the head coach of the Los, of back then Oakland Raiders from like 2012 to 2014, and it was not that great. They compiled a record of eight wins and 28 losses I believe it was during his tenure there but to be fair I'm pretty sure you got to deal with the Terrell Pryor quarterback for I think a season and a half so yeah not that great so who knows maybe he goes he needs to get first of all he needs to get a quarterback in there because this is basically just him going back to Terrell Pryor and Taysom Hill that kind of situation there with those kind of quarter, that kind of quarterback. So we'll see what kind of quarterback he's able to get into the building because I don't think Tyree, I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be the answer there at QB in New Orleans. Maybe Winston comes back healthy, and he's fine. But we'll have to wait and see. But who knows? Maybe the second chance for Dennis Allen would be good for him because his time in Oakland wasn't exactly memorable. So next we got another guy whose last head coaching experience wasn't great. Josh McDaniels, the OC for the New England Patriots. He's not going to be the head coach of the Raiders, speaking of the Raiders. Um, obviously, Josh McDaniels, he was head coach in Denver for a while. And if all of you remember, it wasn't that great either, Endeavor. He had struggled for a long time in Denver. Um, shoot. Trying to remember what quarterback he had in Denver during his tenure. It was either Kyle Orton or Jake Culler. It was one of those two. Can't really remember off the top of my head right now, but it was just a complete. All I remember that it was just a complete mess in Denver during his tenure there. Obviously, he went back to New England to be the OC for the Patriots, and he did a pretty good job despite not having a lot of weapons to work with. But you know, having Tom Brady there actually helped out a lot, and. This year, I thought he did a pretty good job with Mac Jones. Mac Jones obviously was a pro bowler his rookie season, though I don't know if he deserved to be there or not, but that's a question. That's a discussion for another day. So he did a pretty good job 
is Matt Jones this year. And he's going to a situation with the Raiders where he has weapons to work with in Vegas. He obviously he's got Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro has come to his own. Obviously, he's still got their old rival Derek Carr. And the defense needs a few more tweaks, but they got a pretty good solid foundation with the pass rushing. So that's going to be interesting to see how he does there. Hopefully another guy who can make an opportunity and make his second chance worthwhile as a head coach in the NFL. Now to some of the names I actually do remember. Let's start with the Texans hiring Lovey Smith as head coach. Lovey Smith, obviously, he was the head coach of both the Bears and the Buccaneers, and he got the Bears to the Super Bowl back in 2006, if I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was the year they lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts. Um, he's had some success. He's had some good years as a head coach in the NFL. His uh, Buccaneers tenure was a little bit forgettable, but his time in Chicago, it was pretty good. Defensive-minded head coach which is probably the biggest concern on the Texans right now. i got to rebuild that defense because I do believe if they do need to – I do believe Levy Smith will find the right guy to help Davis Mills develop a little more because they do have a little something going on on offense right there. Davis Mills played pretty good in the second half of the season, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you got Brandon Cooks. Obviously, you got more work to do on the defensive side than you do the offensive side, in my opinion. So, Lovey Smith is a guy who can come in and do that. Um, yeah. I do like Lovey as a head coach. Uh, I don't understand why the Bears got rid of him in the first place, but I was, like, young, so I really didn't understand the full details of that at the time. But who knows? Lovey Smith might – he's got a lot of work to do in Houston. He really does. Who It didn't matter who was coming into that situation, whether it be him or Flores or whoever. Whoever was going to get this job had his work cut out for him. And who knows? Maybe Lovey will get the job done. And last but not least, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, he's got his work cut out for him, but... If you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, you got to be a little happy about hiring a guy who has NFL experience. He, Doug Peterson, he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, for crying out loud. We see he was the head coach when Carson Wentz was having some of his better years in the NFL before whatever happened to him the last couple of years. Obviously, injuries was a big thing, but he, he got the best out of Carson Wentz. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and maybe, just maybe, with a little bit of retooling, get some pieces in the draft. Obviously, they got a top pick in the draft this year, so it's, I think they're going actually draft an offensive lineman in Evan Neal out of Alabama. But I'll get more into that kind of pick when it gets turned into mock draft season, which will probably be around the end of the month in February with the combine coming up pretty soon. But until then, we'll leave that there. But back to the, Doug Peterson. So... Obviously, Doug Peterson is an offensive mind. He, uh, I believe he was another one of the Andy Reid coaching tree. He was on the Andy Reid coaching tree, if I remember correctly. 
And who knows? I do think he could definitely help develop Trevor Lawrence to be take the next step as a quarterback. Obviously, like I said, got to get some offensive line help. Maybe get a weapon or two down there in Jacksonville. We'll see what he does. I do believe he can definitely get Trevor Lawrence up to the next level. But, yeah, those are really all my thoughts I have on the head coaching hires. Like I said, some of them I do know. Some of them I've seen before. Some of them I have little to prior knowledge about because their head class head coaching job was like when I was back in elementary or middle school. And then, obviously, the Mike McDaniel thing is probably going to be the biggest mystery to me. We'll see how he does in Miami. But, yeah, those are my thoughts on the head coaching hires. So, with the NBA trade deadline looming on Thursday, we've already seen some major moves being made. So far, the four big moves have been made so far. I'm going to talk about them. Go through them one by one. Let's start with the first major move that was made this past weekend, and that was the Portland Trailblazers. They traded Norman Powell, Robert Covington to the Clippers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe, who I don't think is going to be on the team for much longer, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, fellow volunteer, and a future second. And if I'm being completely honest with you, this is a massive dub for the Clippers. Think of it like this. You do not know... Rather, you don't know if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are coming back anytime in the season. Personally, I don't think so. And why this trade makes sense, not just for this year, because I think the Clippers are just going to be competing for a playing spot at most, or maybe fighting for a first-round playoff series. I don't know. Either way, at worst, they're not getting out of the first round this year probably. At best, they're not getting out of the first round of the playoffs. But Norman Powell does have a multi-year contract. And he's going to be on the Clippers for a little bit. And Norman Powell has been playing fantastic basketball for Portland this year. He's put out some big numbers for him this season. And... This would be a pretty good fit surrounding Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Just looking at his stats real quick. He's put up some pretty good stats this year. Let's see here. He's put up a he's put up 18 points this year. 18 points per game shooter. That's pretty good. He's also put up Okay, numbers. He's shooting 40% from three, and he's shooting 80% from the free throw line. Overall, he's shooting about 56% on the field, which is fantastic. And honestly, the Clippers are going to need more guys like that to help push them towards the next level when Kawhi and PG do come back next year. And who knows? Maybe put some – well, I'm not going to make that kind of call yet. Who knows? I do like Norman Powell as a future piece as well as a right-now piece for the Los Angeles Clippers. Robert Covington also a pretty decent 3 D player. And for the Blazers, this is the first of, I think, many moves. Obviously, there was a bigger move just made today, but I'll talk about that here in a second. 
Eric Bledsoe, I don't think he's going to be on the Trailblazers for very long. I think he gets moved or he's going to get bought out. Winslow, I can see him staying around. Keon Johnson, obviously he's going to be a nice young piece for the Clippers. I mean, not the Clippers, for the Blazers now. And who knows? I do think Keon Johnson does have an opportunity to be special. I did see Keon Johnson play live at the University of Tennessee. Got to see him play a lot lot during his one year in college. And he he had definitely had potential to be something special, but only time will tell. Now on to the bigger trade involving the Portland Trailblazers. Like I mentioned earlier, the Portland Trailblazers have traded C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans today, along with, I believe, Larry Nance and Tony Snell. Yeah, they're going to New Orleans, and we have, in return, the clip, the Trailblazers. They're going to get Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Thomas Sadoransky, some draft comp, which include, I believe, a first-round pick and two second-round picks, and some other player I could not really care much about. So, the first move they made with Norman Powell and Robert Covington, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, they, this is so, something's happening. Something's going to happen. It's like, okay, maybe the Portland Trailblazers are going to blow it up. But this move right here solidified that. Now, I know Portland reached out to Adrian Wojnarowski and said something about, oh, these moves don't mean we're going to blow up the team. We're going to just retool and reload around Damian Lillard. Now, a lot of people say, now I hear a lot of these experts saying, like, oh, who knows if Damian Lillard's going to stay there or not. I Me, mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. Damian Lillard's been talking about staying loyal to Portland for as long as I've been around and watching the NBA, but I just don't know. If Dame can put up with this anymore. And if he does put up with this anymore, then good lord. This man is just addicted to toxic toxic relationships. Because honestly, this is a one-sided relationship. Dane's putting all the love into Portland and Port and the Trailblazers have not given him much love back over the years. And honestly, I believe these moves are coming a little bit too late, especially when it comes to CJ McCollum. I honestly felt they could have, should have broken up that duo a long time ago when the iron was hot. But now here we are. We got CJ McCollum going to New Orleans. And for New Orleans, uh, again, I don't know what to think about that one. Portland right now, I mean not Portland, but New Orleans is currently sitting in the 10th spot, which is good enough for a plan, but... I really don't know how, much, how far this team can actually go without Zion, and there's a big question if Zion's even even going to play this season, but it is what it is. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the other two players, Larry Nance, Tony Snell, that, those are pretty nice little rotational pieces as well for them, but we'll have to see what they do down in New Orleans. I believe next year it's going to be really cool for them to see how things go. When Zion does eventually return to the rotation. But for right now, eh, I don't see the CJ McCollum move being a major impact right now. But potentially in the future, next year, we could see how how much this trade really impacts New Orleans. 
And, of course, the last couple of trades I got to talk about. Talk about Karis LeVert heading to the Cavs for Ricky Rubio on a couple of picks. This is a move that the Cavs have been rumored to make for years regarding Karis LeVert, and now they finally got it done. Karis LeVert, he's a nice little scorer that they could have used off their bench or even in starting lineup. He gives Cleveland a little more scoring. He's averaging 18 points a game this year. He's putting up okay assists, net rebounding numbers, four assists, three rebounds. He's shooting 32% from three, which is pretty good. And overall, he's shooting 44% from the field, so it's not that bad. He's going to be interesting. It's like one of the first of major moves from the Eastern Conference teams. Because now this puts, like I said, it gives Cavs another score. It carries the it's not too shabby on the defensive end either, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see how it goes. And see how much of an impact he really makes on this Cavs team that has been really surprising. And right now, are only a game and a half out of the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And the last deal I want to talk about is the big one. And one of the most interesting ones so far in the trade season. We've got the Pacers. They traded Sabonis to the Kings in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Obviously, and also Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holliday are also heading to Sacramento as well. Um, I don't. At first, when I saw this trade, I really didn't know what to think of it. But now that I have some time to digest it and kind of think this over, if I had to pick a winner for this trade, I gotta go with the Pacers, man. I really do. Yes, right now Sabonis is a certified All Star. He's been an all-star. He's been an all-star for a couple times in this league. Um, but Tyrese has been one of the few bright spots the Kings have had. And if I'm a Sacramento Kings fan, I just don't understand why we traded one of the our young star or budding star that could make a huge impact on the, on the franchise going down the line. And I just don't know how a De'Aaron Fox and – Devonta Sabonis duo will work out. The defense for the Kings is always, was already atrocious, and I, and obviously I don't think Sabonis actually helps that at one bit. But yeah, I don't know. Obviously, now the sac, not the sac, the Indiana Pacers now have a potentially nice little back front court backcourt for the future with Chris Chris Duarte and Tyrese Halliburton. That backcourt has an opportunity to be absolutely nice in the future as they continue to develop and grow as a player, as players in the NBA. We also have who I honestly see Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson also being moved, whether it be trade or bought out. I honestly don't see those two sticking around in Indiana. So I guess that's one bright spot for the Sacramento Kings is that they get off that Buddy Heald contract, but. I'm a Kings fan. I'm just, I just don't get it at all. But only time will tell, right? Trade deadlines on Thursday, so we'll see how much, how many more moves are made between, you know, 
now in 3 o'clock on Thursday. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up with the uh, couple of quarterback situations going on right now. First, let's talk about the rumor that the Titans are not interested in Aaron Rodgers as the future QB of the Titans. And I'm just going to explain real quick why that makes sense. First of all, there's no nobody right now willing to take on that massive Ryan Tannehill contract at the moment. It's just very unlikely anyone's willing to take on that contract. So and you really can't afford to keep two guys with pretty decent con- salaries because you're going to have to pay Aaron Rodgers quite a bit of money to get him to come to Tennessee anyway, and no one's going to be willing to take, the, take that Ryan, Ryan Tannehill contract. So that's one reason why Aaron Rodgers to the Titans make no sense. Second of all, you don't. Aaron Rodgers is getting older, and I, unless he somehow finds the same form that Tom Brady did, I just don't see him being able to keep up with the same production he has the past couple of seasons. I can definitely see him going into a decline the past couple of years, and. The third reason why it doesn't make much sense is that the Titans' main focus of offense is just to primarily focuses on establishing the ground game, getting Derrick Henry going, and I believe playoff play action, which would work really well for Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think it would, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be a big fan of doing that. But I don't know. I'm not Rodgers, and I'm not the coaching staff of the Titans, so it is what it is. And like I said, I think there's much better options for Rodgers as well as Tennessee. Much it would be interesting to see Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry backfield. It just, I don't know. I, don't think, I think for both sides, that move doesn't really make much sense. That's just my opinion about that. Get my quick little insight on that. And... Moving on to another quarterback situation, we've got Kyler Murray. Obviously, we saw that he deleted most of his Instagram photos, including most of, a lot about the Arizona Cardinals, and he unfollowed the Cardinals on Instagram. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Once again, every time in the day and age of social media, People are going to be looking at stuff like this and really just overreact to it. It really is. And that's coming from a guy who's done with double this quarterback situation stuff before. Obviously being a Seattle Seahawks fan, but, you know. But I'm look, I'm trying to think back. Well, other athletes have done this before. Just deleted all their photos, unfollowed their team on, on social media, and something good came of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Giannis Antetokounmpo do this a couple years ago before signing a super max extension with the Bucks and winning a championship with them? Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did the exact same thing Kyler Murray did right now on his Instagram, so I'm not really worried about that. Of course, that's two different sports, two different organizations, two different, you know, coaches, coaching styles. It is what it is. But I don't I don't know. 
Kyler Murray definitely has to share some of the blame for the struggles the Cardinals had down the stretch. He did not play his best football in the last six games of the season. They lost five of the last six, and then got absolutely embarrassed in the wild card round by the Rams. And I believe he had a quarterback rating of eight. So it is it is. Frustration will do that to you sometimes, though, especially in this day of social media. So, but you know, we'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to see how it goes. I do not think. I'm not going to jump on the thing and say, oh, he, Kyler Murray is going to get moved. No, he's not going to get moved. Cardinals be dumb to move him. But that's all I got to say about that. But that's it. That's all I got for this week. Obviously, I have more to talk about next week. got the trade deadline and obviously going to recap the Super Bowl. Talk about that. And who knows? We'll see how it goes from there. We'll see what else happens between now and next Tuesday. But until next time, I'm out. Peace.